the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your teams, The Athletic delivers everything you need in every sports story that matters. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive ad free content. For access to all the stories at the heart of the game, use theathletic.com slash spot track, S P O T R A C, and get 40% off your first year subscription today. Let's bring in Scott Allen in a few minutes here. We're going to whip around sports because it's kind of that jumble of off seasons slash in seasons slash hot stove rumor mills. And there's just a lot of questions out there. And I want to kind of pick and choose the notable ones, break down a couple of contracts, break down a couple of trades, some, uh, some things that have been bouncing around for sure in terms of the Twitter feed and things like that. But there's plenty to talk about. Obviously we're not going to get to everything. And, uh, you know, I, we love going back and forth in this stuff. So, you know, please reach out at Spotrek on Twitter. Any questions, any comments, any thoughts, if you want to keep the conversation going a little bit with us, uh, hit me up there. I'm happy to uh, kind of bridge the gaps with questions, dead cap, whatever you need, trade, trade values, market values for free agents. We're starting to really look at some of these positions heavily as we get closer and closer, just about a month away now from the NFL league year starting. So, free agent season franchise tag season should be just around the corner as we kind of highlighted last week but scott and i are going to talk some football talk some quarterbacks talk some edge rushers dip into the dodgers of course who just keep pushing the past the the gas pedal down financially and in terms of roster building what does that mean for baseball and and really you know how does that carry over to these other sports because it almost seems like the nba and the nfl are starting to bleed into the major league baseball a little bit and it's positive it's a good thing. So I think we had a really nice conversation about how Trevor Bauer and Deshaun Watson and some of these athletes are, are positioning themselves, not just with teams they want to be on, but, you know, the way that the contracts are structured, uh, you know, the way things are going to be going short-term windows, not long-term windows. Everybody starts, it seems to be on the same page with that now. And, and the, the leagues have to kind of, you know, change. There has to be an alteration and the old school thinking that was, in, for instance, in baseball, the 13-year contract for many players, even the eight-year contract, you know, we've seen that with the NFL for sure. And, you know, if you're on a long-term deal with multiple restructures in the NFL, you are stuck, Matt Ryan. You are stuck. So uh, conventional thinking is really starting to bleed into a lot of these sports from an analytical approach, from a roster-building approach, and from a movement approach. You know, I, I shouldn't stay in one place too long because it really doesn't work for either side. And maybe that's something that Russell Wilson is dealing with right now. So we're going to touch on all of this thing from kind of a top level down with a couple of these sports with Scott Allen next. Today's show is also sponsored by the online betting guide. Do you consider yourself an NBA expert, knowledgeable in stats, trends, plays, and injuries? Prove your skills against other knowledgeable basketball fans in OLBG.com's NBA Pick'em Contest. Enter for free and share your NBA picks to win cash prizes. Hopefully you did not pick the Boston Celtics today who got their bells rung by Washington. 15 cash prizes are given away each month, totaling $130 in cash. OLBG.com is a sports betting community where expert handicappers share their predictions to compete for top place in the leaderboard and at the same time, help others make informed betting decisions. Show them what you've got today at OLBG.com. That's OLBG.com. Happy Valentine's Day. Any love advice before we get going here? <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. 
We're a couple of uh, decade-long married men here. <laughs> We're probably oh, not the yeah. right answer for this. No, here's my advice: not. I- find somebody who knows the info fly rule and lets you watch PTI during dinner. There you go. There How's you that? Go. How's yep. that? That works. All right, yeah, that works. Uh, or watches. Or, or tries to watch the Daytona 500 on Valentine's Day. That's yeah, <laughs> that's tough. That's tough sledding for some people out there, even though, you know, that rain was kind of bittersweet. We'll see if that gets kicked off here in a bit. It is Sunday evening, Eastern time. Pretty good sports weekend. I mean, we're kind of in that NFL lull now for, at least for TV purposes. It's certainly not from a spot track standpoint, right? I mean, we are. No. We could, we could talk NFL all day, every day if we had to, but, uh, you know, it's kind of better to pump the brakes because the hot stove is as hot as ever, especially with the quarterbacks the way they are right now. So it's it's more about sorting out what might be real and might, you know, what might not be. And the uh you know, the Russell Wilson stuff probably leads the day right now with that, Scott. Let's just do this. Let's just kind of target some questions at each other and see what comes of it. Because, you know, JJ Watt released, Zach Ertz sounds like he's next. Got some notable players in the NFL, at least, ready to be on the move. You know, we can we can bring the quarterbacks back into this conversation if we want to. But, I'm, you know, I've been taking some time just positionally with the free agency, with the trade candidates, with the extension candidates, just to kind of understand where the heartbeat's going to be with this NFL free agency. And, look, the wide receiver list is unbelievable. The edge rusher list might be just as good. You know, there's a couple of guys on there who, who if not for injuries, are making $22 million a year right now you know, in Bud Dupree and uh, Matt Judon, you know, 18 months ago, they're top money players. It's not going to be the case anymore. But now you add Watt to that conversation to go with Jadavian Clowney, Yannick Ngakwe, you know, Aquara, Shaq Barrett. It's it's a real, Trey Hendrickson is underrated coming off the Saints. Leonard Williams had an unbelievable year with the Giants. These are some serious names and they're not 35-year-olds. These are 25 to 31-year-olds who are going to help contenders immediately, whether or not they're going to break the bank is, you know, you know remains to be clear with this weird off season. But my point is we can talk to a brew in the face about quarterbacks, but there's a heck of a lot of other players that are going to make teams better immediately this year. You know, I, I guess let's start with what, what's your sense on that? You know, <laughs> I started to put together destinations and almost write a piece about it. And then I stopped and said, you know what, there's probably 30 teams, legitimately 30 teams that are at least asking about this to find out where mm-hmm. the price is, not just because of Watt, but because of all these other names I just listed, right? You can, the, the fact that Watt is now available early as a free, as a street free agent allows a price tag to be placed on him. And now if 31-year-old J.J. Watt costs $12 million a year, now we kind of know where Melvin Ingram's going to land and where Hendricks might land. And it, it can be kind of a microcosm to how this free agency is going to spill out for these edge rushers. So kind of neat that this happened. And, you know, much in the same way that the Stafford trade somewhat valued Carson Wentz, you know, maybe Russell if we get to that point. But uh, these early looks at moves are, are sort of the uh, the model frameworks for what we might see in the next couple of weeks. So where are you with Watt? Uh, give me some teams. You know, is the $12 million that I spit out there about right for him? Or, you know, is this is the demand going to push that number up? I think there's probably, you know, probably 10 to 12 teams that are really into it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I say that because he wants to go to a contender. He's going to want to win. He's not going to go to a team that is rebuilding or anything like that. So anyone at the bottom, it can probably be crossed off that list. Um, I, my, my first thought was 
the Green Bay Packers. Sure. I think that would be a great fit. Um, I've heard people say Pittsburgh, but you know, we, we really don't know what status Pittsburgh is going to be in because of his brothers being there. So I, I don't know if I am sold on Pittsburgh. Um, I've heard San Francisco. I've seen Buffalo Bills. You know, I've I've, I've heard a handful of teams here and there. It's going to be which one is he most comfortable with, and maybe wh- who gets the biggest bang for the buck yeah. um, out of him. You think he'll what, think that one, way? Do you think the money's going to matter a ton to him? Hundred million earned, tons I'm, of marketing, right? I mean, he's he's made his and dough. Maybe right, and and someone. I forget who I was listening to. It might have been on the radio down here, but someone made a great point that. Um, this is sort of like um, Reggie White. Yeah, you know he, he's not he he's a he's not a going into free agency as a free agent. He was released and is a free agent, but it's a premier player that can go on a team and and can make a change significantly. Um, so whether he wants to go for the money or not, I mean may, maybe he just wants to win to to get that under his belt. And he takes an incentive deal where he gets the base, but he's got a ton of incentives to move him up sure. based on sacks, tackles, playoffs, Super Bowls, absolutely, or anything like that. Yeah, because he's so, going to a contender. I mean, let's just let's cross the Bengals off the list. <laughs> let's cross Detroit off this list. There's a couple of yeah, teams exactly. that that I would be absolutely jaw to the floor, you know, shocked if you went to. I'll I'll just throw two sleepers out there, and you know, they're they're mini sleepers because they're both. I'm sure they've been mentioned in a lot of channels, but you know, the teams you mentioned are are probably up there. I I'd throw Dallas in this conversation immediately, even though they, they really don't have the roster or financial space to do this. This is such a Jerry Jones move to get him from Houston to Dallas. First of all, let not let him leave the state of Texas and throw him into a line where you're right. It could be a Reggie white kind of second career. Reggie White had two hall of fame careers. He had yes, one he in Philly and one in Green Bay. So th- there's a lot of people that think that's possible here, but JG Watts had some serious injuries too. So let's not put the cup before the horse here. Well, 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 one, one of the things that was being talked about um, over the weekend while in, when I was riding around, they were talking about what, the, what does this mean for Ryan Kerrigan? Yeah. Because, you know, um, in his cap or AV was about 11 and a half, you know, and similar type, you know, position and, uh, and all that. So, mm-hmm. you know, wh- whatever Watt signs for is going to, you know, dictate how some of these other free agents that are true free agents that can't sign right now. Um, no question. How, Kerrigan, how Melvin Ingram, go. they're in that boat. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of teams out there right now that aren't going to pay 12 million plus for JJ Watt who are now going to be sitting for plan B, plan C. Like I said, the list is good. I mean, I tweeted it out a couple of days ago. It's a good, strong list of edge rushers. Somebody's going to fall into like $8 million range on that list. And there's going to be contenders that pounce on that stuff. So uh, my other sleeper, by the way, it's Dallas and it's Indy. I, I, re- I really think Indy has a chance mm. here. Uh, Interesting. Not that they need a ton of help defensively. You know, obviously there's a quarterback situation in need and, and a wide receiver, maybe two wide receiver positions that need to get addressed. And they do need to replace their left tackle, uh, who just retired, Anthony Costanzo. So, you know, I imagine at least two of those positions can be dealt with in the draft as long as they don't forfeit their draft for a quarterback. Now, I don't know if you've heard the latest, and we can transition this into question number two here if you want. But the, the latest from Indy or Chicago, I guess we don't know the answer to that yet, is that 
somebody has offered Philadelphia two second round picks for Carson Wentz. In other words, they're not going to that first round tender yet. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with this. I think Philly should take it immediately. Take it. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, if it's the Bears, yeah, usually your first, yeah, usually that first offer is the best that you're going to get. No question. Time, time only hurts it generally. Um, and look, Mariota might move here. You know, God, if Russell moves, if Russell even gets serious about moving, Carson's never going to move <laughs> because all the attention is going to turn to Russell Wilson. So yes. I, that's what I mean. Like if there's an offer like that on the table, you know, get him to throw in a fourth or get him to throw in a player with it and, and just get it done. So if that if that's the case for Indy, you know, now they're securing themselves with that first round pick. They can they can replace Costanzo or get themselves a T.Y. Hilton replacement fairly early in the draft. My point is, if JJ's at least considering Indy, I think they really make a strong financial push for it because you put that on a, you know, the, the linebacking core on that, on that team is outstanding. The, the secondary really took a step forward and they do have some sign, signing to do there. I just think that's a really nice fit for a team that needs that next step up, that, that bump to get to second, the second, third round of the postseason. And it's, it's been a well put together team. So I think JJ is yeah, looking for a little bit of stability more than anything. And look, we, we, we were all kind of making Green Bay the the easy choice for this. That's not the most stable situation right now. I mean, uh, you know, we just went through six weeks of maybe, fa- you know, fake news, to, to coin a phrase, where there's some unrest with that organization, whether it be the coaching staff, the front office, Aaron Rodgers, whatever's going on. You know, it's been one of the hotter topics of the, of the winter here. It's possible JJ looks at that and says, "I don't want any part of that anymore." I've, I've been going through that for a year and a half now with this with with my previous organization. So, just flat out stability might be everything. And I got to give Buffalo the number one edge there. Uh, the culture that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have put together in terms of stability, just fun, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. The, the players that they brought in plus the fan base couldn't be more appealing, in my opinion, to a free agent looking to go somewhere to up their career, you know what I mean, for a next-level move. That's got to be appealing to J.J. Watt, not, not to mention all the foundations and the donations that we keep hearing out of Buffalo. Yep. That That's right in the wheelhouse of J.J. Watt. That's been his bread and butter in Houston, unfortunately, with the, the disasters down there. So I, I have to put Buffalo as the feel-good favorite for J.J. Watt because of the, everything I just mentioned. Even ahead of Green Bay, even ahead of Pittsburgh, even though we all want their brothers to, to play together, you're right. That's an organization going down, not up, in terms of their roster building. So I, I think Buffalo might have the sneaky lead here with Indy is my my sleeper pick, and Dallas would be just fun, I think. <laughs> but that's J.J. Watt in a nutshell to me. I think 12 is probably the right price. You know, Indy, di- Indy did a two-year, $24 million contract with Justin Houston, who left Kansas City somewhat, you know, in somewhat similar fashion. They, they just flat-out couldn't afford it. And... uh that was the deal that brought him into Indy, and he it was perfect. It seemed to be the perfect mix of veteran money versus rookie contracts. It could just be round two of that with JJ Watt, wherever you know, if it's Buffalo or if it's Indy. Are you are you hearing if this is going to be done sooner than later, or have you not heard? Good question. You know, with so many teams involved, it might take a little time to shell out the offers and do some Zoom interviews and things like that. But my guess is this. His push to being released didn't start last Friday. No, not it, at all. You know, this was probably a two-week process that culminated on the right time and, and place to do it. So, you know, his agent's already been feeling things out. He knows the market. He knows the prices that are out there. Yeah. And he knows yeah. where J.J. wants to end up. So 
if there's three mm-hmm. teams that are kind of on the on the short list right now, it's just a matter of you know dotting some eyes at this point. I'd be shocked if it wasn't done by Friday. I'd be shocked if it wasn't done this week. You know, okay. um, yeah. What do we think about Carson Wentz now? Just quickly transition through that. Can, can I can I give you an honest opinion? Yeah, go ahead. I, I think there was a lot of lying going on. I think there was a lot of agent speak out there. Um, and that there really wasn't, you know, Carson's going to get traded in two days. And, yeah. you know, there's two first round picks. Matthew Stafford's package is out there right now for Carson Wentz. I think there was yeah. some information being shed to Adam, fed to Adam Schefter that I get it. It's good marketing. It's good branding. Certainly got us all talking about it. It certainly made Carson Wentz seem more important than he really has been the past year. Yep. And, you know, I actually believe this one. I actually think two seconds is about right. So if that's Chicago or if that's Indy, which of the two fits for you? Mm. I'd go Indy yeah. for the fact of he's, Frank Reich. He's and not going to screw that, that team up and, too bad, right? <laughs> I mean, no, I, you wouldn't think so. And, and the fact that the head coach already has a rapport with the, the quarterback well, itself. Now, if, you go, if he goes to Chicago, you know, I, Well, let, I me, let me cut in on you there because, because they did just promote – John Filippo to a coordinator who was the quarterback's coach of Carson Wentz in Philadelphia during the Super Bowl. Years. Okay. So both of these okay. teams now have an angle to attract Carson Wentz and, and maybe fix Carson Wentz. So it's but a little it, even from, there, but from a roster standpoint, is there an edge? I don't know. They're both kind of built defensively. They both they have are. a nice solid running game. Now that David Montgomery has taken a step forward. They're both about to lose a wide receiver in T.Y. Hilton and Nalen Robinson, I think. So it's kind of it's kind of, it's synced up pretty nicely here. If you're Carson, I think you'd want to go to Indy over Chicago. Oh, I don't know if he has a says. I don't know if he has well, a say. I'm just in saying, this. I don't either, but I'm saying if he if he did, I think he'd rather go to Indy than Chicago for the fact that he may not want to have to deal with the Nick Foles situation all over again. Okay, so that's a great point. Nick Foles may have to be part of that trade because of that. He may have to come back to Philly. Um, here, here's why I would pick Indy. The quarterback history in Chicago is just unbelievable. It, it's, it's unbelievably atrocious. And it's not that they haven't tried every way possible, you know, trading up for Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, acquiring Jay Cutler, you know, bringing Kyle Orton off the whatever, Rex Grossman, whatever it took, they've done everything you can do to get a quarterback on the roster and they just haven't worked. None of them. Um, this would be such a negative move for their fan. You know what I mean? The, the fans yeah. would, would, would hate this immediately. So the, the expectations that Carson Wentz would have to overcome immediately, just stepping foot into that uniform seems insurmountable to me. So I, I don't see a way around that. There's at least a softer landing in, in Indianapolis. You know what I mean? Or if it's Denver, mm-hmm. another team I think is in play here. There's a softer landing in Denver. Denver's had success with bringing in, you know, quarterbacks and kind of making it work. I, I think Chicago is a nightmare, nightmare spot for everybody, for the Chicago fan base, for Nick Foles. You're right. There's a lot of, to me, there's more cons there right now. So I'm, I'm rooting for Indy. I do think Denver's in, in to some degree on a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks. You know, I think they're, they would love Deshaun Watson as their landing spot. I think they'd probably give up the farm for it, but I don't think that's even worth talking about right now because it seems like the the Watson situation is totally off the table. What do you have for me? Any questions? Yeah, it's sort of a transition from what you just said. So 
what do you think teams are going to try to go towards trading picks or trading players? Now, I bring this up because as I was listening to some things over the weekend, someone brought up the fact of, all right, Deshaun Watson, what if they traded player X, player Y, and a draft pick? Uh-huh. And it, it got me thinking of, all right, going into this year of a down cap, dealing with a lot of different issues with the, you know, cap casualties and all that what's going to be more advantageous for teams acquiring draft picks or trading for players that you know teams may have to cut that are good players and could potentially fill in gaps faster than uh, a third or a fourth or a fifth round pick that probably isn't going to make your roster well I'm looking at the list of draft picks for every team right now in 2021. And if I'm looking at it from a, a strength position, right, using Jimmy Johnson's kind of point system, here's your teams near the, at the bottom. Here's your bottom five teams. Bottom, Actually, let's go bottom seven. Yeah, let's go five. Rams are dead last. No surprise there. Okay. They've, they've forfeited yeah. you know, pretty much. They have three draft picks this year, 57, 185, and 217. Uh, so that ain't going to bring home with too much bacon. Seattle's second worst. They're they're sitting fifty six and one twenty as their first two picks right now, um, and you know there's some comp picks coming for for many of these teams, but in terms of what they they just have foundationally, Houston's third. Houston is the third worst worst draft power because there's no first round pick, right? You know, Sixty seven and a hundred is where they currently sit. So my answer is. Almost, I mean, everyone else, the Saints are fourth, Tampa Bay's fifth, Kansas City's sixth, Baltimore's seventh, Bills are eighth. These are your worst draft positions in terms of picks, where they are, all that stuff. A lot of it is because of the, you know, they won. They, they're they're not a top 10 lottery pick, but some of it is. Actually, half of these teams are about picks that have, they, they've moved. Either they've traded away, you know, recently, or it's because of big moves they've made two, three years ago that are culminating this this draft. To that point, we had a discussion about the Rams and how they, they've basically just punted on first-round picks now for literally six, seven years. It hasn't stopped them from winning, nor has releasing players out of bad contracts. <laughs> True. So I'm starting to wonder what the right answer to that question is, Scott, because well, it's not it, that this is a bad draft by any means. No. no In fact, no, I keep right. reading about how it's wide receiver heavy, it's edge rusher yep. heavy. You know, the first five cornerbacks should be ex- excellent for teams that need that. So it's not that this is a bad draft and teams should be trying to get out of it. It's that the value of the overall draft pick, whether it's top 100 or not, isn't as important to perennial winners right now. The Saints and the Rams and the Seahawks specifically, who now find, I, I think it's probably commonplace that we find them with the least amount of draft capital heading towards the, the, the actual draft itself. Um, I, I mean, the Rams were fourth in dead cap. They have w- the worst draft situation in the entire league, and they got themselves to the second round of the postseason. So, so what am I supposed to say to that? Without a quarterback. Without a quarterback. Because that they, they clearly didn't value him. He's gone. Yeah, right. So I, I guess my answer has to be it's TBD, but it's starting to trend toward Let's get real players in here. 
yeah, which is NBA style, right? Uh, that, that's, we're, getting, we're getting more towards the yeah. NBA trade where it's not yeah. just, I want better picks or more picks. It's, hey, you got a cornerback that can help me right now. I want that cornerback. And we haven't seen that for a very long time in the NFL, player for player or many picks for, for major players. Or, that's NBA stuff right we there. Think, yeah, yeah, or we think this is a player that is going to be is a role player and we need role players to fill in those sure. spots. And, and where I was thinking of this was we, we always see that sixth and seventh round picks rarely work out. It's very rare. Obviously, Tom Brady, sixth round pick, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But I would probably put it at what? 75% of those sixth or seventh round picks probably don't make it. If you're going to trade those sixth and seventh round picks, why not trade it? to a team that may give you someone that is in the 45s to the 50th roster spot that you could potentially bring on. And, you know, maybe you feel your, as a, an organization, your player development is better than that team's player development. And you could bring them in and put them on special teams or put them as a depth position, but you've seen tape on them, bring them in and see what you can do. I mean, we saw it with Orlando in Markel Foles. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they made the trade for him and look, he, they have turned him around. They've done whatever they had to do player development wise. Well, that's shot. I mean, there's a lot to Carson Wentz with that. There's a lot of people that think he just needs to go somewhere else to get fixed, you know? So again, yeah. that's not something we're, we've normally seen either, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not normal either. And maybe the same happens with Jared Goff. So you're right. This is maybe a, a big off season for that, for player, real player to player movement. But I got to I got to roll back to this. I hate to do it, but um, there's a team that's done this forever. That if they have a first round pick, it's usually terrible and it almost never works out for them. But generally they trade back. They acquire fourths and fifths. <laughs> and yep. when they do trade, they get players, real players. Wes Welker, Brandon Cooks, Akib Talib, Kyle Van Noy, uh, real freaking players, offensive linemen when they need them. They don't screw around. They don't care if their second round pick is gone next year because they've got Brandon or, you know, Brandon Cooks was actually a first round pick from, from New Orleans. They, they didn't give a rat's behind about draft picks for almost two decades because they knew the value of that player. Exactly. They could value him precisely in their role with their system. knowing knew exactly what they needed and could analytically put him in that, in that role. Whether, whereas with a draft pick, there's so many unknowns. The, the biggest being, what if that guy's not there when we need to get him? You know what I mean? That's whereas I can go get that guy right there. It's kind of like baseball cards, right? I can buy a million packs hoping hoping I'm getting the Patrick Mahomes rookie card or I can just go on eBay and pay $45,000 and buy the damn thing right now. You know what I mean? Right. Correct. That's yes. that's what you're that's the dichotomy you're putting together here versus with draft drafting for draft picks or trading for draft picks versus trading for Odell Beckham Jr. You know what I mean? If I can just go get him, I, I, I know exactly what I'm getting. So I, I think we're, that's exactly where some of these smarter teams are going, and I have to give the Patriots credit for it. And, and to some degree, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. The, those two organizations have been very trade player heavy uh, for the past at least eight, seven, eight, nine years. But it start, seems like other teams are really catching on, the Rams being the, uh, the biggest of them. And I would expect the cap situation, like you brought up, to drive other teams into that situation, you know, and look, mm -hmm. the bills did it with Stefan Diggs. That's not a bills move. You know, the, not at all. the bills move over the past 20 years is maybe trade up and get themselves a wide receiver in the draft. Didn't work with Sammy Watkins. 
didn't work with James Hart. A lot of picks. A lot of wide receivers went by the wayside. Uh, you know, even though they were, there was a lot of draft capital put into them. But this one worked immediately. Stefan Diggs worked immediately. And that, that's just kind of example 15 of big-time players getting moved and making an impact immediately on their new team. So I think it's, it's probably something that's going to catch on here, Scott, in the next couple of months. Yeah, I do too. I do too. It's fun. Um, I think it's way more fun too for us. So I'm, oh, I'm all I, for I do, it. I do oh, I, I am too because, you know, as I've always said, and I've said probably every time for the last five weeks, we want to see these teams take some chances and take some risks. And, you know, if they can target, you know, and they have such deep analytic departments, uh-huh. you know, if they can target those players that they feel, all right, this, we, if we look at a, fifth or a sixth round pick versus this player here that was drafted as a fifth or sixth round pick that, pick that we already have seen play or have tape or know from scouting him that he's pro- maybe an upgrade and at least we know what his flaws are or we know what his strengths are where they can fill so in l- let, me, let me piggyback spot. on that scott because you're bringing up a great point but once you get past the sixth round there's just not much. The analytics fall off at that point. That's something I've, mm-hmm. I've kind of come to find out in speaking to a lot of people. But you do bring into another interesting side of it. So, yes, teams are going towards avoiding that and get, bringing in actual players, right? Veteran ex- with experience, you know, swing offensive linemen who can play center and guard. You know, all that stuff is becoming more and more powerful from the trade. But then it's after that seventh round, Scott. It's... UD, let's, let's not, yeah, let's not even focus on round six and round seven too much because whatever we get there is kind of just going to be a crapshoot. Um, but we can control our UDFAs. You know what I mean? We don't know who's going to be there in round seven, but we're pretty darn sure we know who's not going to be drafted. And if we have 15 guys in mind and we, you know, our bonus structure, our guarantee structure is as good as it can be with those offers to those guys, we can get them. And that's 30, that's 30% of a lot of these rosters right now. And that is your depth cornerback and your depth, you know, your fifth wide receiver and your fourth running back, obviously positions of need when you go through a 16, 17 week schedule. So you're right. It's about where, where front offices can have the most control. You know, there's just so little control in the draft. There's so many things that can happen, especially with draft day, you know, trades and all that. There's so many unknowns. They can control a one-to-one trade with veterans and they can control the UDFA system to some degree as well, a little bit more. So I think that's where the focus is. And it's not unlike what we're seeing with the players trying to and get more, seen, more control. <laughs> it, 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 and maybe I'm off on this, but I feel like we're, we're seeing more UDFAs making rosters and having impacts on teams. Yeah. So with that being said, does the, does the draft need to be pulled back to only maybe five rounds? I bet so we get there next CBA. Seven. Yeah, I bet we get yeah. there. It's a TV show right now, so that's the biggest. That's the biggest reason yeah. for not doing it. But yeah, um, right. yeah, I think there's a there's a chance that definitely happens for sure. It's certainly going to happen in baseball, which is where I want to go next, real quick. Because speaking of analytically driven front offices and creativity <laughs> with contracts, and apparently not giving a, a rat's behind about the luxury tax in 2021, let's talk about these Dodgers, Scott. Holy cow! Uh, you know, one of these things is not like the others. When you when you start looking at payrolls on spot track for Major League Baseball coming up this season, everybody else is kind of healthy in terms of spending. And then you've got a couple of bottom feeders who still have some work to do in, in Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. 
but you know the Dodgers are just so far and away ahead of everybody else. Just just cash payrolls, cash payrolls. They're at two hundred twenty six million, um, and that does not include Justin Turner yet because I do not have his salary breakdown. But if we flip that to luxury tax, which I do know, uh, it's fun. Uh, I mean, this Dodgers team is all in. They are sitting really nice. They've got two hundred and thirty eight million allocated to their luxury tax which is about 29 million over. They're the only team over and, and o- only Boston and New York are really close. And I do think New York makes a move that gets them maybe slightly over to start the season. But when I, when I knew the, the Trevor Bauer deal was done with, with LA, I thought for sure Turner was out. I heard there were three, four other teams in on Turner. This one really shocked me because it, it almost guarantees they're going to be paying a tax bill. They don't care, but, but it almost guarantees it at this point. They, uh, they did everything they needed to do last year to build a roster that had a variation to the point of where to, to build a, a roster where they had a, 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 that was enough young kids, enough arbitration players then to be able to go and acquire Mookie Betts and drop him into this fold and work with what they had to do and hope it was enough. And it was. They win a World Series. And I'm actually, I need to correct myself here. I, I don't even have Turner's contract on these books yet. So they're going to push up north of $255 million in terms of tax payroll. So they're going to be paying upwards of $20, 25000000 million with, for, for their bill, right? More? Is it more? Yeah, it, it, it's going to be uh, up there. I mean... Yeah, they don't care. Uh, the, my, the point of this long-winded rant is they don't give a butt. <laughs> Justin Turner... They're all was the, now. They're all, all they're in. They're now. All in. All it's in. about repeating. It is about doing again, and it's not unlike the Lakers. It, it, they're they're looking at the Lakers model. You know, it's a good time to be in L.A. right now. Good time to be in Tampa Bay too, by the way. But uh, you know, multi sports. Honestly, three sports that almost got it done in Tampa Bay. But the Lakers did almost this exact model in in, a, in bringing in two big time players. You know, not super not Trevor Bowers, but the Lakers added. Uh, the OKC trade, Dennis Schroeder to, to replace Rajon Rondo. And they yeah. added uh, the kid from the Clippers to, re- yeah, to, to replace basically a void of defense slash number four man when, when LeBron can't be on the floor too much. So it's, it's not about sitting on your hands and, and celebrating the championship you have. This is a quick turnaround in a weird year with COVID Neither of these teams sat on their hands. It's exciting. Uh, you know, if, whether you root for the Dodgers or not, the fact that they're pushing this far in is outstanding because it's, it's baseball needs this. They need some, some, some real big market swings. I, I had a whole show about how the Yankees aren't doing enough. I still think they're not doing enough. And thank goodness for the Dodgers. Really going all in, keeping the players that, they've, that they value. Justin Turner is an analytical god. Okay? I mean, this kid has hit nothing but three, 320 you know, 10 more home runs a year than he's projected to hit 20 more doubles a year than he's projected to hit. He just continues to do it and he's not a spring chicken anymore. So this is a big get to, to bring back into that. De- talk about depth. My goodness. You know, they're not even going to use their kids yet because their veterans are so strong. So what, what do you think about no these scale, Dodgers, Scott? I, well, they're all, yeah, they're all in They're They don't give a rats behind yep. of the luxury tax that they want to, be a back-to-back repeater mm-hmm. world series champion because you know frankly if if they do win it again 
the revenue that's going to come in is going to outweigh that luxury tax bill that they're going to have to pay. So why not do it? If you have the means and you have the backing of the owners to, to do so, then you go out and you do it. And, you know, those California teams, that, that's going to be fantastic to watch yeah. between them, the Padres, the athletics, you know, it's just, you got, you have teams that are all in. Yeah. And Isn't that funny? The Padres it, finally go all in and the Dodgers yes. basically just sit on them. They just sit right on top of them and say, yeah, we'll Hold my beer. you take your Blake <laughs> Snell and Mike Clevenger and you Darvish and we'll go Bauer, Betts and Justin Turner this offseason and we'll just be better than we were last year. Ugh. Yeah, and I think some in, in some of the gamesmanship of these teams is got to be thinking, all right, we need to make our team as deep as possible because of us – traveling again, having to deal with COVID protocols. Yeah. And, you know, you never know. They're seeing what's happening in the NBA where you have guys that are getting pulled when they're on the court practicing. You know, same thing could be happening. It's a great with point, baseball teams. It's a great point. So they, they need to make sure they're as deep as possible. And, you know, some of these teams are making trades and they're they're just sending prospects that aren't really going to affect their team right now because they're all in right now. So you, you have teams like the Dodgers who are spending crazily. You have the, the blue Jays who have spent more than they have in the past. You know, the, the Padres are all in the Mets, you know, they're, they're making splashy moves with making trade for Lindor and all that, you know, the the one team that is going to be left out in this musical chairs and is is the Los Angeles Angels and you know yep another they, wasted Mike Trout year uh, right another wasted Mike Trout year and it's just what are they doing everyone else around them in California is spending and wanting to be all in and know that they've got a bet so they've got a Tatis Jr. You know, they're they're all in on these kids. And then you have the Angels who have had Mike Trout for as long as they have, and they still haven't done squat. So I, I give the Dodgers kudos because they've seen what the Padres have done and they're they're one upping them or at least staying on par yep. with them and spending. So I, I, I give them kudos for saying we're we're all in. We're we're not gonna sit back. The Angels odds to win the American League right now are tied with Cleveland's. Ooh, Cleveland wow. has a thirty-six million dollar payroll. What, what what are they doing? They might as well just trade Trout and get what they can. You know what and I mean? Seriously. And here's the worst thing: it's not like they're stuck and can't move people or bring in people. We just saw three of the biggest players in in baseball get moved. Nolan Arenado just got traded, and the team had to pay fifty-one million dollars to trade him. Yeah, he's one of the best three players in the game. It's unbelievable. He's the best third baseman in all of baseball. And they had to pay $51 million to trade him. There's play. Everybody can be had right now. Everybody. You can get anybody you want right now for, for, you know, the right price of prospects. And it's not like we're even seeing these gigantic prospect pools coming back. These are, these are kind of value trades outside of the cash you have and, to pay. And, and that's, and that's an interesting point with the Arenado because, you know, if the prospects aren't there in a team, ha not that the angels are going to send money with Mike Trout, but it, subsequently the other way around, you know, yeah. we'll send money to you for Trout in addition to all of these other assets, because, you know, if Trout's got to want to win, 
and the Angels, I, I don't know, is it an organizational issue that team players just don't want to go there? Or is it that they don't want to spend to go get the pieces that they need? It's just a, it's a weird dynamic, especially when you have a player of that caliber uh, on your roster for as long as you have, and they've been to the postseason, what, once in his history with the Angels, I think? They just don't it's have just, that core. You know, they just don't have five or six kids that have come up through the system together. You know, that that seems to be the recipe for a lot of these teams, Dodgers included. The Mets have this, you know, the Indians have yeah, this right. forever. The Indians have just yeah. started to, to kind of prick. Yeah, that, that's been the yeah. recipe is you need a couple of young kids that have been bonding together at, in their progression towards Major League Baseball that when they get there, they're ready to go. And they're kind of already a team formed in, like I said, a core. The Angels just tinker so much, and they they try to they try to fill holes with free agents, you know, nickel and dime free agents so much that I just don't think there's any kind of com, you know camaraderie in that organization. There's no, and this is not a sprint, you know. This is a you have to really kind of build relationships over this eight month haul that is Major League Baseball. To me, that's the biggest gap, and you know, there's a new front office there now. But guess how the the, the best way to to repool your prospect farm is. Mike Trout. Trading Mike Trout is probably the right organizational move, and I bet they know it, but they're going to give this one more year, in my opinion, or Mike Trout's going to give this one more year. But if in July, Scott, we're having this conversation again, that they're eighth in the American League right now, Mike Trout's going to start start to sound like Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And there's no question about it in my mind. He's going to get that breaking point. He's a nice guy, and he doesn't like to speak publicly, but... Deshaun Watson's a nice guy too. <laughs> and everybody has a breaking point in my opinion. So especially I, uh, when you're seeing all these teams around him making the moves that they are making and they're that's standing what I mean. pat. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not like the, the model isn't already out there to be, to be used. So if Mike Trout needs to go, I think it's probably the best for both sides. Eventually like, granted, you know, maybe they come out and start to win some ball games here, but I'd be shocked if they're, uh, if they're literally, if they're legitimately contending, even in the West there. All right. Anything else with baseball? You want to talk about that barrel contra- contract real quick? Did you see my notes on it? Some really good no, work out there from some, from some of the Dodgers people on this. It's really interesting. Uh, I'm going to bring it up right now on the site so I don't, I don't screw this up. So bear with me. By the way, I, uh, I totally had those Dodgers numbers wrong. They're $45 million over the th- over the luxury tax. They've got a tax bill of almost $20 million right now. So it's, uh, you know, that's like paying $130 million for Trevor Bauer, essentially, is what they've done. They don't care. <laughs> they don't yeah. care because they're deep. They're good. They already have the winning recipe on that roster. They have the right coach, I believe. It's uh, th- that's a good team to be to be rooting for right now for sure. Here's the Bauer deal. So I told you they had opt outs after every year. Gave him the full Correct. control. You knew he wanted the one year deals. We've talked about that. Here's he, and, and you know what? I knew something was funny about it because it was being reported as 102 million, even though that last year was was being said to be garbage, just kind of a throw in for AAV. It's not the case. So there's basically walkaway money. Okay, here's how it works. He gets $28 million in salary this year and a $10 million signing bonus. But almost everything is paid out like every two weeks. It's basically like a like a like a biannual bi-weekly salary where the Dodgers only have to slow play this thing. There's no like upfront payment or anything like that. It's all spread out over the course of a season. And if he opts out after 2021. They can take twenty million of it and defer it way down the road. Hmm. So immediate cash savings 
this year and next year for the Dodgers if Bauer leaves immediately after the 2021 season. Additionally, if he leaves after the season, he gets a $2 million pay, payment, an, an extra $2 million. So in oh, essence, wow. he'd be making one for 40, okay, to walk away. Deferred, so he'd be making it when he's 50 probably, but one for 40. Same thing happens after 2022. He's got a $32 million salary in 2022. If he opts out, and I expect him to opt out then, that's where the $15 million comes in. So you remember how it was originally reported as 30, it was reported as 40, 45, and 17? 17, No, yes. it's 38, 32, and then when he leaves, he'll get an extra 15. So it's going gotcha. to be it's going to be the 2 for 85 that we talked about but it's built in with buyout money with deferred money if he leaves there's some protection for the Dodgers and it lowers the upfront payment because there's a signing bonus which helps him in in California the 10 million dollar signing bonus is not taxed like the rest of the salary will be in the jock tax so he does save some dough there as well so that's good good accounting work by his agent uh super creative though I, I love the control on this. I love that he gets $15 million to walk away from the Dodgers at age 31. That's pretty awesome. Um, and, and speaking of creativity, I, I had fun with the Dodgers this week. If you, if you bring up the Mookie Betts deal, Scott, I don't know if you saw this. I, I took some time to, to actually crunch the numbers on how this thing is structured. $65 million signing bonus last year, which gets spread out basically the entirety of this contract and mm-hmm. then some. Okay. So again, Cash save for the Dodgers as it's spread out a ton. And that 65 bonus is not taxable via the jock tax. So he'll be able to make that. Basically, right. it's more secure to him than it would be, you know, the, the base salary in terms of taxes. $115 million of this contract is deferred. What does that mean? It means <laughs> through 2020, 2032, when this contract actually ends, Mookie Betts will be 39 years old in his last year. He'll have earned $255 million of this contract. Okay. The 120 that's left from the signing bonus and the rest of the deferred money runs to 2044. He's going to be 51 years old and still making money off this contract. He's going to make $11 million at age 51 sitting on a beach somewhere that he owns. That's what it's going to be. This is insane longevity in terms of money. Insane. This ain't Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla makes a million a year, which is amazing. But this is 11 11 million a year. This is some serious deferred cash through through age 51. So just something that I think isn't being stated enough, the structure of this contract. Again, helping the Dodgers in terms of tax allocations, in terms of cash, which is really important this offseason. But... Uh, you know, deferred payments can stink, but sometimes they can be amazing. Is it a coincidence that the deferred is 12 years and the current contract is 12 years? Do the teams get to dictate that how long that deferred years is, or does it have to match the? No, it's part of the negotiation. Uh, you okay. know, that could that could be slammed down to three years sometimes, but no, they they just basically decided to take, uh, you know, dollars from each salary and push it down basically 10 years away. So it's a. Uh, is there a is there smooth. a benefit of? Sh- is there a benefit of stretching it out as opposed to saying, let's just do it in five years and get the money off the books quicker cash. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to pay that cash in 2020, you know, 2034. So, you know, you you don't want Mookie Betts deferred payment to be the highest thing on your payroll then, which it would be for a lot of teams. 
So you're just trying yeah. to manage the 115 million at that point as well as possible. But look, the Dodgers, if, if, if there's one team to talk about a lot right now in major league baseball, it's gotta be the Dodgers. Everything they've done is interesting and it's really good for the sport. It really, really is. So I hope they get a ton of primetime games. I hope Mookie has another great season. Baseball needs this kind of just, you know, a little bit of a dynasty. Honestly, they need this. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, last question in dealing with this deferred money. Do you see teams that, you know, like you say, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they don't give signing bonuses. And, you know, the the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, they have a structure that they usually follow. Are there teams that you see that give more deferred contracts than – say other your hometown sir. teams <laughs> uh, i know the Na- yeah, well the i knew nats. the nationals i knew i, I it was a, a loaded question because i knew the nats and obviously the dodgers with bets but are there other teams that really hone in and focus on that deferred as opposed to other teams who are we're going to pay you now and that's it it's not extremely common it is becoming more and more common except a lot of the players are really saying no to it there's so much fluctuality with, you know, the economy and the markets and stuff. It's hard because the sell on it is the interest. You know, you can get interest on deferred payments and things like that. So it could actually benefit you in the long run. Not to mention, you know, not a bad gig for bets to be sitting there at age 50 making 11 mil. Um, but mostly age, it's the agents that say no. They want cash in hand. They, they, they yeah. make their percentage when the cash is paid. Gotcha. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, there's a lot to that. There's a lot of finagling and politics with that, which you can certainly understand. That's a tough gig. So for the most part, everybody's pushing for cash now, cash now, cash now. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, I'll tell you this. The fact that Bauer stuff isn't deferred doesn't surprise me one bit. He came out and said, yeah, that does, yeah he yeah, came that out and said me. it's going to be short, sweet, and powerful. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. So it's possible that that becomes sur- somewhat what, you know, the most elite players look, look like, you know, that is a model contract right now. That's 85. That's life-changing money. No, 85 million is life-changing money. No matter how you look at it. I know it ain't 350, right? The best contract is ridiculous, but there's a lot of strings with that. And one of which is when can he actually get out? If he wants to Trevor Bauer knows exactly when he's going to get out. He's going to get out in 2022 after 2022 with $85 million in his hand. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. So, that that's apples and oranges to me, you know, would you take three sixty or would you take 85 with a chance to do it all over again? Age 32 in 2022. Can you answer that? I'd probably go the Bauer route, bet on myself. And then at, after that opt out, you sign your longer deal because you know, you're going to be older and possibly declining. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, it's a, st- it's a stupid question. You just take the three sixty and you play baseball, but there, there's something but if you're, there's something to what if, Bauer has done here, you know? Right. And and you've been saying it forever. Take the short, higher deal because you can re-up again sooner than later. But again, you're right. Most people would probably take that longer deal. You give me three hundred and sixty-five dollars million dollars. Yeah, I'm probably gonna take that. But <laughs> if you're if you're if you're a if you're the player and you've got the ego of Bauer and you think you can do it again and again and you, you you've got that longevity because you have that unorthodox way of you know it's a really interesting question isn't intact. it isn't it really interesting because it it, I, maybe it's just the way that i'm built scott but i i look at what bauer has done as so freeing 
just the, just the understanding of, you know, the organization, no organization really controls me right now. I have total, he has total control over this. He can leave whenever he wants. He can dictate exactly how much cash he makes from this. Mm-hmm. And then he can do whatever he needs to do again. I, I, I understand the difference, but I, I wonder if we, if we pulled like 150 active players right now with that exact question, 360 for the next 12, you know, half deferred or 85 by 2024. <laughs> and stuck on your team without being traded. Yeah. And, and real no way out. Right. You, there's a no yeah. trade clause, but you know, not really a no tra- a trade demand. Correct. So, which is what yeah, Deshaun Bowers, Watson's finding out right now. A no trade clause doesn't yeah. mean trade me now. <laughs> yeah. Ba- ba- Bowers pulling the LeBron James. I'm yeah. going to do one and ones and control where I go, when I go. And, you know, I know I'm going to get the max. So I'm, I'm going to control if I'm staying in Cleveland or going uh, to Los Angeles or anywhere else. Obviously, now he's in there long term, but it, it's the same situation. So, Bowers saying, I'm going to have these opt-outs and I can, if I don't like the Dodgers after year one, I can go wherever I want. And if I, if I pitch lights out, there's going to be other teams that are going to bid probably just as much as the Dodgers. Last point on this, then we'll get out of here. You're right. It is the Dodgers and the most powerful part of this. And I know I've been saying that a lot with this contract and I, and I hate to kind of gloss over it too much, but the most powerful part of it is that, he forced the Dodgers to go over the luxury tax with this contract. He forced them to, he said, you he want did. me, you want me. He, he could have, he could have made this an eight year contract at 17 million per year and got himself to 85 million. You know what I mean? He could have stretched a signing bonus. Mookie Betts got $65 million signing bonus. You know what I mean? Yes. He could have done a $50 million signing bonus with two $15 million salaries and made just as much money over the next two years but lowered the AAV so that the Dodgers were able to stay tax friendly. He didn't. He forced maximum salary, maximum compensation into a compact contract and the Dodgers bit. It didn't scare the Dodgers off, which means this has to be what other big teams do now. You can't say no anymore because Trevor Bauer just did this. And Trevor Bauer is not even the best pitcher in baseball. So (laughs) when the best pitcher in baseball comes swinging next, it better not be Garrett's Cole's, Cole's contract. It better look like this. It better look like three for 150, right? Yeah, and Bauer could love it in L.A., love it with the Dodgers, still opt out, and the Dodgers could have to pay Do a higher again. price than he's paying right now. They could bring him back and say, we we really want you back because you affected our ball club that much. Right. He could he could re-up with the Dodgers and and – up the contract that he's already got or go somewhere else. So he really does have all the control and, you know, if it, the dog, it's kind of like what agent, it's what, what agents say paid. when they franchise tag a player of theirs, Scott, right? Like for instance, Leonard Williams got franchise tagged by the giants and everybody went, what the hell are they doing? And here's what yep. the agent said out loud. You just valued my player at $18 million. You just did that. So next year when he has 15 sacks, guess what? He just did. That's the minimum now on his five-year contract. You just did that to yourselves. Well, the Dodgers just did that. The Dodgers just said, we can take 35, $34 million a year and go over the tax for a pitcher who we, who we like enough to get on this team. They just did that. So you're right. When he opts out in 2022, and now, it, now he's worth $36 million a year, and the Dodgers look at their tax you know, situation and say, oh, we're, we're up against it. No, 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 no. You did this. 
you already did this. So we're good, right? We can do this again. That's right. Once it's done, now it's a thing. And I always love that franchise tag story for, for situations like this, because you're right. You lose the power. You lose the ability to say, well, you know, we're strapped. We're up against it. No, no, that's gone. All set. You, 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 you've, you've now valued, put a value out there or put a, uh, uh, you, you've given, for instance, Seattle. This, you mentioned uh, trends on teams, Scott. The Seattle Seahawks forever would, would absolutely refuse to extend a player who had more than two years remaining on their contract. By the way, Russell Wilson has three right now. Okay. It was, a, it was an absolute thing. Hammer down, foot down, we're not doing it. If you've got three or more years left, your contract is not even considered for us. Okay. Talk to us when there's two or less. Then they change it for Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch threatened to hold out. He held out through the spring, through preseason and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they caved and they gave him a restructured contract with a ton of money. It was like two for 24, big time money for a running back at the time. And obviously it worked out. He was phenomenal, but they caved. And I remember seeing from the, the experts on Twitter and in the news, the second that they broke that barrier, now it's broken forever. Now, yep. now everybody can look to that. You know, it's like law. You know, if you can find a case where, where your case has, has won, you just say, well, if we're referencing that case right there. I'm good, right? Well, now everybody in Seattle can look to Marshawn Lynch and say, hey, you did it for that guy. And I think I'm as valuable as that guy was. So it's done. Trevor Bauer has done that now. He's done a short max salary over the tax deal with the best team in baseball. So that's the thing now. This is a thing now. And it really should be for these elite players. I hope well, we get there. And and the fact that it's short, it it is in a pro for the Dodgers and the fact that if it doesn't work out and Bauer does, you know, he opts in and takes that money. It's, it's a short term deal where it's not, you're not stuck with him for yeah. 12 years. Yeah. That's why you tolerate it. That's why you tell, that's yeah. why the tax shouldn't matter because you're right. You're out of this thing, no matter what, in a couple of years, whether like it's I good said, or bad. Like, well, and like I said, last time, last time, you know, that, that tax isn't as stringent or as strict as uh, the NBA. So, take advantage of it. And if, if you're going to lose draft picks, the Dodgers don't really care about draft picks right now. No. The fact that they, the fact that they're bringing in a Bauer and re-signing a Turner and for a bets, they, they don't care. No. It's, it's the low teams like the Clevelands and the, uh, the Tampa Bay's something about those Pirates. LA teams, Scott Rams and the Dodgers, right? Just give me the veterans. Yeah. Just give me the players who I know can play. It's time to go win games. Yeah. And, and I wonder how much, I wonder how much that plays towards the the people that live in California. Yeah, you know, it, maybe there's something to it. I don't know. Um, maybe I, if USC was better, there, so. they'd be, they'd be looking more towards colleges for players, huh? Man, that Pac-12 is <laughs> yeah, a really. mess. Good lord! All right, let's finish this up. Good stuff. Uh, any additional questions? Obviously, we're in free agency mode at Spotrack. So, any questions? Hit me up at on Twitter at spot track. My thanks to the athletic visit the athletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription and the online betting guide. Plenty of stuff to be talking about there. It's NBA season. There's a man. There's like 20 teams smashed into one game right now. It's crazy how those standings look. It's going to be a dog it fight. Oh, it's insane. We talked about yeah, Dallas like three days ago. Now they're in the nine seed. They went, they dropped like four seeds in two games. So, yeah, you know, one the, win takes you. Yeah. Up. Yeah. The betting has got to be crazy. Check out OLBG.com. Get yourself into the free NBA Pick'em Contest. Learn a little bit, a little bit more about gambling as well. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.